0: Excuse me. Kind of busy. I'm sorry to bother you, sir. I have some rather distressing news about Master Dick. What, is he all right? I'm afraid Master Dick has uh, gone traveling. He ran away? Actually, he took the car. He boosted the Jag? Not the Jaguar. The other car. The Bentley? No, sir. The other car.
1: everyone and welcome to episode 27 of Legends of the Batman. My name is Michael Kaiser
2: and I'm Michael Bradley
1: and this week in our continuing quest to cover everything Batman from the beginning, we will be diving into part two of our coverage of December 1940 which finds a second issue of detective comics that's right two issues of detective comics in one month crazy. Um, this was released at the end of the month and it's issue number 48. And, once again, we have no emails, so I guess we're just going to go right into it. Um, Detective Comics number 48 had a cover date of February 1941. It was released approximately December 31st, 1940, with a cover price of $0.10, and was edited by Whitney Ellsworth. The cover is by the usual suspects, Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Russo. And it depicts Batman and Robin swinging down onto a dock at two bad guy, uh, at two bad guys who are running away in fear. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hit the cover. <laughs> you know, I it's,
2: mean, it's it's better than the last few, but still not especially great.
1: Yeah, they're just kind of all running together now. Um, yeah. this one did kind of have a Action Comics number one vibe, and I just say that because of the criminals. Uh, yeah,
2: I did have a note that I liked their the expressions on their faces and that could be why.
1: Yeah, they're like running off camera, so just reminded me of that a little bit. But
2: my my only real complaint about it, other than the fact that it's not very exciting, is it looks like Robin's about to fall in the water. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he jumped a little too uh well there's that perspective problem again, I guess.
2: Right, yeah. And I also noticed when I was sitting here looking at it just a minute ago, that the Batman in the corner has changed.
1: Oh, really? You're yeah. right. He's much happier now. hmm
2: But the weird thing is, I looked ahead, and they only use it on this issue. Starting with 49, they go back to the other one.
1: I was going to say, I I don't... That's a really kind of an odd-looking Batman, so... Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me that it was only used one time. Because it doesn't really look like the Batman we're reading, either.
2: No, not really.
1: Yeah. It
2: looks like a very Silver Age Batman.
1: Yeah. Interesting. But he's smiling and he's all happy, so mm-hmm. I guess they were trying to to gel their, their versions of him or something. But anyway, on to the main event. We have a story inside, 13 whole pages, called The, Sil- called the Secret Cavern. Again, with the usual spe- suspects for credits, we got Bill Finger as the writer, Bob Kane as pencils, uh, Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Rousseau as inks, and letters by George Rousseau. And it starts out, when criminals plot to rob the great vault housing the nation's gold reserve, then it is that the cloaked Batman and young laughing Robin, the boy wonder, step in to nullify crime's thrust and draw back the curtain that veils the mystery of the secret cavern. Somewhere in Kentucky, the millionaire Henry Lewis is rowing along a stream when he stumbles across a gash in the side of a mountain, which leads him inside a giant cavern. Eager to explore this new finding and impressed by its awesome size, he eventually also comes to realize that the cavern passes directly under the gold treasury vault of Fort Stocks. Returning to town and overcome with excitement, Lewis blabs about his discovery to a group of nefarious men, who instantly make him regret his big mouth as they become far too interested in the cave's location. The greedy, nefarious glints in their eyes scare Lewis's mouth shut, and he decides to head home. Unfortunately, the thugs follow him home and demand to know the location. Lewis refuses to tell them, however, even after they strap him to a chair and take turns beating on him. Uh, defeated but still desperate to get the information, the thugs remember that Lewis has a daughter who sings at Ronaldo's Top Hat Club. They head to Gotham City. That's right, I said Gotham City. And meet with Ronaldo to propose a scheme That will get them all rich, which, of course, interests Ronaldo. Later that evening, as Linda Lewis finishes her set, she passes wastrel playboy Bruce Wayne's table and agrees to go out on a date with him. In her dressing room, after she finishes getting ready, a man appears behind her, looking incredibly creepy and exclaiming, I have been waiting for you. Come with me. Linda, understandably, freaks out, pulls a gun from her dresser, and shoots the man dead. Upon hearing the gunshots, Ronaldo and his men come in and are shocked that Linda killed Nick, who, Ronaldo explains, is a known practical joker and was probably just screwing around. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that she may have killed an innocent man freaks Linda out even more, and she agrees to Ronaldo's suggestion to give her the gun and to run her away to Kentucky to visit her father and hide out. After she leaves, the supposedly dead Nick gets up, and they all have a good pat on the back about how one of them filled Linda's gun with blanks. And now they can use the fingerprints on the quote-unquote murder weapon to blackmail Henry Lewis for the information in exchange for keeping his daughter out of jail. Later still, Bruce Wayne is surprised to find that Linda broke their date and just left without a word and finds Ronaldo acting very suspiciously when Bruce questions him about Linda's whereabouts. Linda, meanwhile, arrives in Kentucky by train, only to find her dad surrounded by thugs and her creepy boss, Ronaldo, who beat her there by plane. Linda's father confirms with her what Ronaldo and his men have been telling him, that she murdered a man and that they have have the proof. And after she breaks down crying, he agrees to tell them what they want to know. Back in Gotham, Bruce goes to Linda's house, only to find she took off in a hurry. He decides the circumstances are just too suspicious, and he and Robin jump into the Batmobile. That's right, I said the Batmobile, and head over to Ronaldo's apartment to question him further. Upon arrival, Batman leaves Robin in the car and scales up the building, overhearing through an open window one of Ronaldo's thugs talking to the supposedly dead Nick, telling him to lay low while Ronaldo and the boys take care of business in Kentucky. Batman enters the apartment and beats the guy up, getting Nick's whereabouts from the cowardly criminal. As Batman and Robin make their way to Nick's hideout, the criminal he interrogated and left behind calls Nick and warns him of their arrival. But it's all for naught, for as ready as the room full of baddies thought they were, they are completely taken by surprise when the totally awesome Batman smashes the Batmobile through the garage door, which makes them easy pickings for the dynamic duo. After cleaning out the room with their fists of justice, Batman and Robin tie up Nick and fly him to Kentucky in the Batplane. That's right. Oh, wait. Never mind. It's already been the Batplane. Okay. Upon arrival, Batman easily dispatches the two guards left behind to watch the Lewises using awesome sneaky ninja moves. And then freeing father and daughter, he explains the trick played on them and then suggests that they make their way to the cavern. At the cavern, Ronaldo and his men have successfully dug their way through the ceiling of the cave and the floor of Fort Stocks. But before they can make away with the goods, Batman and Robin arrive on the scene and lay into them. As the two fight the men in the cavern down below, from up above, one of the thugs inside the vault, shoots at Batman through the hole in the floor, which actually backfires because it draws the attention of the army assigned to guard the vault, who round the corner and gun down the remaining criminals inside. Uh, Down below in the cavern, Batman doesn't even have to finish mopping the floor with anyone because Henry Lewis steps in and offers a little payback for the beating he was given, taking the last two bad guys out with an impressive display of fisticuffs. Batman and Robin then hang around and explain the entire thing to the Fort Stocks commander, who offers to have the president give them both a suitable award, but Batman and Robin refuse a gesture, stating that being Americans is reward enough and fly off into the night. The
2: end.
1: That's exactly it. Yep.
2: <sighs> I, I think this could be an interesting episode because from your synopsis, I think you're much more enthused about the story than I am.
1: You know, uh, I think it's a horrible story, but I really enjoyed it anyway. And <laughs> it, it's a weird, a weird uh, uh, thing because usually the story should actually be good for me to like it. But, yeah. I mean, I totally understand why it's not good, but okay. I was very excited by it anyway for some reason.
2: Uh, well, to get into notes, uh, the 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 splash page this time out is is a lot weaker. I mean, it it just doesn't have the flow down the page like it normally does, and it's a it's a terrible shot of Batman and Robin is rather awkwardly posed. I, I really yeah. like, I, I really like the background. It's got a lot of texture to it, mm-hmm. but
1: oh, the, I, the figures yeah. are, yeah. Yeah, I agree. They're way too small and how to draw comics, the Marvel way one you're not supposed to put your main characters back to the reader on a cover or splash page. <laughs> right. So, uh, but Marvel didn't exist yet. So it's okay. Uh, but still, yeah. Cool looking, uh, what are they, stalactites or stalagmites or one of those?
2: Uh, cool. tights are from the ceiling, stalagmites are from the ground.
1: So cool looking both then.
2: Right. Yep. And even the text, the opening text that you read there at the beginning is kind of meh this time. I mean there's
0: – yeah. you know, it's all about
2: the mystery of the secret cavern. Well, there's no mystery about the cavern. There's really not even a mystery in the story. So.
1: Yeah, and they it was it was really quick too. So I think they're getting worn out on these captions. But <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious how long they'll last.
2: Uh, they keep going for quite a while. Wow. I mean, they make it more generic as they go on. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I know they keep opening up with different captions. Um, I also noticed that uh, Bob Kane has added his, added his name to the opening logo here. Oh. But it's weird. I don't see Bill Finger's name anywhere. Could just be missing on my copy. I don't know.
1: Um, I don't think you ever will. But uh, um, so does that mean then that is this around the time when he made his deal, or?
2: Oh, I have no idea about that.
1: I don't know that either. We'll research that and do next issue, next episode maybe, because I don't think right off the bat, uh right off the bat, he uh, Uh he had a deal with DC. I think it was. At some point when it proved popular enough that he somehow sold it for as long as he always got credit. But I don't know when that was. Maybe it was early on. I don't know.
2: We'll have to look into it.
1: Yeah. But that was one of the stipulations that it always said by Bob Kane somewhere.
2: Yeah. Well, he's had his his little signature on stories in the past. Okay. It just hasn't been connected to the the opening Mm -hmm. logo like that.
1: Hmm. All right. Anyway... So this opening, uh, here's a little test for your, your super superman trivia brain. The uh, This opening shot on page one, actually bottom of page one, top of page two, where uh, Henry Lewis finds the cave, mm-hmm. it just reminded me of a episode of the Superman Fleischer cartoon. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Because I don't know which oh. one I'm talking about. But don't they row into a cavern and it turns out they find this crazy ancient race that's worshipping some... They, yeah,
2: that's it's called the underground cavern, or no, the underground world. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of the famous shorts. It's towards the very end of the run.
1: Yeah, that's I've only seen it like one time, but I always remember that just the the setting
2: with the with the big bird people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so kind of the same idea. Just this mysterious, scary cavern-looking thing. Mm-hmm. You have to get get to by canoe. Right.
2: I I don't understand why. They used Fort Stocks.
1: Yeah, seriously.
2: That's, I mean it's a gold it's a gold depository in Kentucky. Uh huh. And they reference Mammoth Cave and Carlsbad Caverns, both of which are real places. Mm-hmm. So why not just call it Fort Knox? I
1: mean yeah. that's
2: clearly what it is.
1: I mean it's the same thing, only maybe worse about what we were asking about the movies, how they're always faking movie titles. Right. But this yeah. is this is even worse because this is actually a real place. So why not just <laughs> use it?
2: I mean it's not like kids are gonna read this comic and then try to break into Fort Knox via never before discovered underground cave.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Who knows? It's really bizarre. And it's not even a good disguise. Stocks? No. <laughs> Stocks versus Knox, give me a break.
2: Like um what was the Clayface's name?
1: Uh oh God, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But speaking of real things, this he does reference uh Carlsbad Caverns, which, of course, mm-hmm. is real. Right. That's it. But that's in New Mexico. Right.
2: But and Mammoth Cave is in Kentucky. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how close it is to Fort Knox, but...
1: Hopefully not right underneath, or we're going to give people ideas. <laughs> um,
2: Legends of the Batman is not as Norse
0: <laughs> as Fort Knox.
1: You know what? You go, you go right ahead and try and rob Fort Knox by, <laughs> by drilling a hole through the floor. Let's see how... How that goes for you? <laughs> so Henry, um, dumbest guy on the planet, or what?
2: Possibly, yeah.
1: I don't get. I mean, I understand he's excited, and that's fine, especially if that's your hobby, which apparently it must be. If he <laughs> if he canoes around with a, equipment, but yeah, uh, but why tell him about the Fort Knox part? That's the only thing he says.
2: I kind of took it that he he, he was just really excited and went and blabbed about it and then realized that he shouldn't tell anybody.
1: Yeah. but yeah, He
2: comes, was just so excited he wasn't really thinking clearly.
1: He comes in and he says, if I don't tell someone, I'll bust. Listen. And then he tells them about the great discovery. Then it says, so you found a big limestone cave, so what? And then he says, but it goes directly beneath the government gold vault. <laughs> gold vault. <laughs> As if that should sway them. But I'm thinking, well, if that does sway them, that's a bad thing because the only people who are going to be interested in that fact is... Criminals. It's criminals. Right. So I don't know. I don't understand why he was. I initially thought when I was reading this story that he was going to be the criminal. Like that's why he was so excited, because because mm. you know in this panel where he's discovering the cavern, he's like, "Great, Scott, and it and it's right underneath the vault." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, he's gonna plan a robbery or something." Yeah. But it turns out he just is interested in locations, I guess.
2: Um, I I kind of had a problem with this guy anyway because it. He's going for, you know, a row and he just happens to bring along surveying equipment. Yeah. But then later in the story it says that he surveys as a hobby. Which is a weird hobby, but you know, maybe I can buy it. But yeah. then at the bottom of this page it says that he's roughing it in a cabin alone. So apparently he just goes camping and surveys stuff for fun.
1: Well, it would have worked better if they didn't say at the beginning that he was just rowing around. You know, right. like if they had right up front said that He's a millionaire and he's got nothing better to do but you know he likes to try and discover new things or something you right. know that would have worked better but
2: instead like I, of the, instead of the bad guys who just met him giving us that information when they should have no way of knowing right?
1: Uh, yeah yeah that's definitely the worst part of the story is how the heck do those guys know anything about this dude
0: <laughs> right
1: because um, I initially thought well he must live there but no he doesn't live there he's just hanging out
2: he's roughing it in the cabin alone. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, not only do they not know him, because it says uh, they find out where he lives, or where that he's roughing it in the woods alone. Right. But then the next panel, they know everything about him.
2: Right. They know he has a daughter in a completely another another
1: town. Yeah.
2: Completely another state,
1: apparently. Uh huh.
2: And she's a nightclub singer.
1: They she they even know where she works. Right. Who who knows that about this guy? <laughs> Uh, but I will say one cool thing about him is he doesn't—he's kind of heroic in a way because he doesn't give into their beating or anything to right. to give up the vault. Although those guys are just as dumb. Because what did he just say? He said, "I found a cavern underneath Fort Stocks. Where is it? Um, <laughs> it's underneath Fort Stocks. I'm gonna tie you up and beat you until you tell me where it is. Uh, it's underneath <laughs> Fort Stocks." <laughs> I mean, how many fort stocks are there? Just go, go around, find the river, and I don't know. This is a lot harder what they're doing here.
2: But then on page three we have Gotham City.
1: Finally, yes, that kind of took me by surprise. Um, I had looked up before when we when it get, first gets branded, and I guess I forgot, but. I looked it up again and on Wikipedia, where I probably looked the first time. It actually gives credit to Batman number 4 as being the original hmm. comic that spells out Gotham yeah. City. But well,
2: Wikipedia is always right, so apparently our comics are wrong.
1: I'm thinking they're going by cover date there, because Batman number 4 yeah. cover date is 1940, and this one is 1941. Ah, uh, okay. So that's my only idea, but anyway, I was really surprised, and I'm really happy about that, because I think... At our last year in review, that was the one thing I was really looking forward to the most, is when they actually start calling...
2: I remember that, yeah.
1: ...Batman City, Gotham City, instead of just generic New York.
2: I wonder why they decided to change it.
1: Um, I don't know why they decided to change it, but again, per Wikipedia, I have a little quote from Finger that we may have already read. I'm not sure, but probably not, since we've never talked about Gotham City before. Um, But there's a book called The Storenko History of Comics by... um, Jim Stranko, and in it, Bill Finger says, originally I was going to call Gotham City Civic City. Then I tried Capital City, then Coast City. Then I flipped through the New York City phone book and spotted the name Gotham Jewel, Jewel- uh I can't say that word. Jewelers. Is that how you say that? Jewel- Jewelers. Jewelers. Hey, there you go. Gotham Jewelers. And said, that's it, Gotham City. We didn't call it New York because we wanted anybody in any city to identify with it.
2: Oh, okay. There you go.
1: Why they uh, – didn't do that at first, but hey, sometimes you just figure stuff out as you go. Yeah. But also interesting that they were going to call it Coast City because isn't that um, a place in D.C. eventually?
2: That's where Green Lantern hangs out, the right. Silver Age Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think Civic City is also a D.C. city.
1: Oh, yeah? Okay.
2: I mean, a lot of cities. Gotham City, Civic City, Coast City.
1: That's what I love in that um, – avengers jla book that kurt busick wrote Uh uh-huh that when they examined the two earths that dc's earth was bigger
2: (laughs) (laughs) just accommodate for all the extra towns yeah
1: yeah i thought that was really cool little idea but anyway um but in gotham city we're definitely in gotham city because they know nothing about this guy ronaldo that runs this club but they go to him to pitch their scheme and, of course, he's totally into it because it's Gotham City, and therefore he has to be evil, right? <laughs> right. It's not possible that he'd be like, what? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, the last guy who did that was the owner of a circus, and look what happened. But anyway. Ooh, yeah. Uh, uh,
2: but um, speaking of the nightclub, we we have we meet up with Bruce Wayne here. just hanging out at the nightclub and asking Linda Lewis out on a date – Yes, and and I kind of wonder how Julie Madison, you know, his fiance, <laughs> would feel about that.
1: I had the same thought. Yes, interesting that they just completely forget her.
2: I think it was Josh Bertoni when he was on the show that said that they forgot about Julie Madison for a while, and I, I think he was actually right. They actually did forget. You know, when he said that, I thought, oh, well, they just she didn't show up for a while, and you know, then they bring her back in. But I think they actually did forget about her because. Why else would he be asking this woman out on a date when he's supposedly engaged?
1: Either they forgot about her or they, they are telling us he's a huge cad, one of the two. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, wait a minute. Was I just thought of something. Was Julie Madison introduced in the uh, Fox stories? Maybe we've talked
1: about yes, this. Yes, yes. Has first... Bill
2: Finger used Julie Madison? Oh, did... Yes, because he wrote the Clayface story. She was yes. in okay, yeah, Okay, never mind then.
1: He wrote the Clayface story?
2: Yeah. Yes. That was his first one back, as I recall.
1: Okay. Yeah, I it'd be one thing if she never comes back, but I know that she is gonna come back, so this is a little weird to have him asking this girl out, but oh well.
2: No, that wasn't his first one. Anyway, but yes, he did write the clayface story.
1: Okay. Uh but I love that Linda um Carries a piece in her dresser. I don't know why I like that, but... I mean, it It works out for the story. Luckily, right. she, she does this so that they can set her up that way. But And again, how do these guys know that? But uh, these guys from Kentucky somehow know that, <laughs> that she keeps a piece in her drawer. But I still like that she has it because it's just not a very... You know, typical woman reaction in the right. in the nineteen forties. too. I was just like, "Whoa!" when I heard that. Like she just, <laughs> she's not a damsel in distress. She's gonna just blow your brains out. So that's cool.
2: No, I I can buy it too because if she's working at a nightclub, she's probably getting confronted by all kinds of, you know, yeah. skeevy guys. And
1: it would have been funny if she said instead of like get away from me, it would have been funnier if she just said, "Not another one." <laughs> Uh, but this whole idea that they come up with these these nefarious guys from Kentucky and Ronaldo, it just it just seems impossible to me. It's it, it dependent it's dependent on Ronaldo being a bad guy and Linda carrying a piece and being scared enough to use it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and scared enough to run away and hide in Kentucky. And I just was wondering why not just kidnap her and you know take her back to Kentucky and beat her in front of her dad or something. That probably would have worked easier, you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's very convenient, and it's also—I mean—even the way Batman gets involved in the story is very convenient because you know he just happens to know Linda Lewis because he he talks about her past behavior, so they're obviously well acquainted.
0: Uh-huh. So it's
2: just very convenient that the guy that found the cave just happens to be the father of one of Bruce Wayne's women, so that Batman can be involved in the story.
1: I would love to see like other stories that Batman doesn't happen to come across. <laughs> <laughs> And they just have a horrible bad ending because he wasn't in the nightclub <laughs> that night. When Just to see like the 20 other times in Gotham that bad things just happen.
2: I think those are the EC crime comics.
1: Yeah, there you go. Ooh, someone should do a podcast on those. That'd be cool. Anyway, I get the impression that Bruce Wayne has never been stood up before. Uh, speaking of, of of getting involved, because it just seemed like, what? There's no way <laughs> she wouldn't have gone on a date with me. He's a wastrel playboy, so she knows how good looking I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong. Batman needs to get in on this.
2: And if she doesn't, I have that giant ten foot painting that uh, what's his name painted back at the cave that I can show her.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> it's got a bullet hole through uh, the head, but never mind uh, that.
1: I gotta have somebody. I gotta commission some guy to <laughs> paint me a painting like that, and then actually put a bullet hole in the head, <laughs> hang it in my garage. They'll be like, why do you have this? What? You never read Detective? Number 54. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: page five. This is just a, a weird note, but in panel four, I thought Bruce's suit looked really well drawn here. Usually it's just like a straight block of color, but here they've got all the folds and, mm-hmm. and wrinkles in the suit, yeah. which I, I liked. Yeah, it's Just a minor note.
1: And I do like you know the last couple issues. We've been getting a lot of Bruce Wayne action, which I like. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see him hanging out at nightclubs for no reason other than to pick up women behind his fiance's back and stuff.
2: Well, last story he was stalking the poor kids, so I don't know if we can really count uh, that
1: or not, but Well, but he went out to go see his banker. Right. as himself and it was a good day for polo and all that fun stuff, you know. <laughs> um, we get a tunnel reference again?
2: Yes, two stories in a row for that, too. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about the barn. And the tunnel actually looks like it has bats in it, but it could just be doodles on the wall. It's hard to tell. Maybe Robin's
1: been down there drawing on the wall. Yeah, bro. This place needs a makeover. (laughs) Um, But the best part of the story Mm – well, actually, I still like Gotham City the best, but this is a really good part too. Um, Not only is the bat plane apparently kept in this seemingly old deserted barn, but – the bat mobile, yes, so oh, it
2: just looks like a normal car, sadly,
1: yeah, it's weird that they're going backwards because it was blue, hmm it started out red, then it went blue to get closer to the you know bat motif, and now it's gone completely backwards, except it has a hood ornament that's a bat
2: a giant hood ornament,
1: which is interesting because I don't think any of the previous prototypes, even the blue ones, had any sort of bat reference on them, did they no, uh-uh. So this is the first time they're they're applying it. They're applying the same bat plane principles to the car now, sort of. Just not very well.
2: Uh, well, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't really call it a hood ornament. No. But.
1: No, it's going to get – it's actually going to get more – a lot more like the bat plane because it's going to have a big bat head soon. Someday.
2: Someday, yeah. Um, I'm hoping that comes pretty soon. I don't want to deal with this red Batmobile for several years' worth of stories, but.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Although I do like this last panel here, we have, we see the car speeding through the night and Batman's head kind of popping up a little bit and the cape flapping behind. It's a very it's a very nice look.
1: Mhm. And it says supercharged motor in the caption, and I thought, ooh, that sounds like a cool you know Batman thing. But then I was reading about what the car is made out or based on, and actually supercharged is a car term. So that shows oh. what I know, because I don't know anything about cars, but. They had yeah, but I engines. like
2: to think it's a little
1: better than a car of the day that could only go, what, 50 mile an hour? Mm-hmm. But looking up the car, because I had to, and on there's a cool site called History of the Batmobile. I can't remember what the URL is, but just Google History of the Batmobile. It'll be the top one. It's linked and, on the side of the site, too. And it's linked to BatmanLegends.com. You should probably go that way because we get a commission. Um, we we do? No, we don't. <laughs> they don't pay us anything. Um uh, they say it's based on a 1936 Chord 810, whatever that means. Okay. But then I was Googling further, and there's another site called Cars in Depth. And it, there was an article written by a guy named Ronnie Schreiberg who suggests that it was really based on a Graham Page Spirit of Motion shark nose car. And again, neither of those cars mean anything to me, but just based on the pictures that he posted, I'm going to go with him and say it's a shark nose cuz it looks like a shark nose. Maybe the
2: original was based on the shark nose and this one is based on the cord or the other way around.
1: Maybe. This one's definitely based on the shark nose cuz it has the square headlights and a and oh, okay. The, and the nose and all that. And the shark the shark nose had a bad emblem for a hood ornament. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding, it didn't. Oh. <laughs>
2: You're confusing me again. Uh, anyway, it's just one of those weird things. I mean, you know, you ask somebody what the first appearance of the Batmobile is, they may say this issue, but you know, it, it, technically, this is the first api- appearance of the named Batmobile. But you know, Batman's had a car since the very first issue. So
1: yeah, and the history depends of, on
2: how you want to look at it.
1: The history of the Batmobile doesn't talk, I, as far as I know, doesn't talk about those earlier prototypes either. So,
0: hmm.
1: and I've I've found like. There's a really cool – I'll have to post that on the site too. There's a cool, like, drawing that someone did of all the various Batmobiles.
2: Oh, yeah. I've seen that.
1: And it starts with this one as opposed to the prototypes. So (laughs) most people, I guess, consider this to be the first Batmobile, which makes sense because it's the first time it was called a Batmobile. Anyway, it's exciting that another – both Gotham City and the Batmobile are, like, just – are practically characters. So it's really cool to – Oh yes to get them into this Batman universe that we're covering. It's feeling more like home. Uh, page six, we had lots of use of shadows on this page. Oh, in, yes.
2: In, in one panel at the at the bottom of the page, uh, the, the shadow actually alerts the crook to Batman's presence, which I liked seeing. And I think they have done that before, but I like how they're using the shadows as more than just visuals on the page. They're actually kind of involving them in the story mm-hmm. somewhat, as much as you can do with a shadow.
1: This third th- uh, third panel in particular, I really – I just love that where – I mean he's like a little speck on that stairwell, but his shadow is just casting across the whole side of the building. Yeah. It's really cool. Um,
2: Might be a little large. A little large.
1: Yeah, especially but since the moon is, moon is around the corner, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a street light. Could be, yeah. Um, But yeah, not only do I like what you just said where the guy whirls in terror because he sees a shadow, but I – really love how on the next page he wasn't even there he's like behind him right and he says i'm not there here i am and he like gets him in a choke that's just so cool that's very modern batman you know uh-huh. where are you here you know yeah it's yeah it's just very very cool i love that um,
2: yeah are we all of page seven is cool i mean he he's beating well, the stuffing out of this guy to get information there's no puns there's no quips no joking around he just Beats this guy to, well, not to death, but beats the crap out of this guy, and then he wraps his cape around his face, all cool, and shoves him out of the way and leaves. It's very awesome.
1: Yeah. The fact there's no puns was just totally impressive to me. Yeah. Um, Talk, you whimpering wretch. That's just so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it ends badly, but. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't even get past that.
2: Yeah, the, yeah. in this final panel here, um, <laughs> Batman and Robin are, are driving away, and Robin looks over at Batman and says, Something on your mind? And the Batman says, I just remembered that I didn't tie that hood up. <laughs> I'll bet he's on the phone right now speaking with Nick. <sighs> so just, uh,
1: that's it, horrible.
2: That actually made me laugh out loud when I was reading it. it total
1: bat fail. I mean... uh. I know they just did that to to set so that they could set up a barricade or whatever. Oh yeah. But it's just it just makes him look so dumb. <laughs> I just remembered I forgot to tie that guy up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't. Uh,
1: do as I say, Robin, not as I do. Uh,
2: but it's kind of made up for on the next page. Oh yeah. We have as we have this awesome shot of the Batmobile just crashing through the side of the building.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very um, – it kind of reminded me of Frank Miller because that's kind of what Frank Miller's Batman was all about, of just blowing <laughs> blowing through things, you know? Nothing subtle about that guy. Right, yeah. And sometimes that's cool though. In this particular case, I think that's very cool because here they are all thinking they're ready and then he just ramps his car <laughs> through their hideout. That's just really awesome.
2: Yeah, and I think the uh, the sound effect, the crack – really adds to it. hmm Have we seen that many sound effects in Batman stories to this point?
1: No, they don't really...
2: Beyond, like, an oof, or, an, you know, something like that from the no, guy getting cause, hit?
1: No, because, look, if you even look at these the, the page prior where he's punching the guy 15 times, and there's not a single sound effect. Right. I don't know that any comics were doing that all that much, but...
2: Y- yeah, there's not many in the Superman
1: stories. Mm-mm. Um, but they'll get there. I mean, like even right now, like thought balloons and stuff aren't used that much. So they're, they'll figure out their shorthand as they go, I guess. Um, but yeah, great fight. I don't really have a whole lot to say about this, but it was exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found interesting that the bad guys also called it the Batmobile. (laughs) It's like kind of funny. It's like, dude, we just found out it's called the Batmobile. You guys already knew that. (laughs) Word travels fast. Yeah. They probably posted a sign. All new. <laughs> also, the Batmobile just rammed through a barred garage door and it doesn't have a scratch, so there's there's a special ability for you.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Super armored, doesn't have any broken lights or anything.
2: The only note I had about page nine was Robin throws this he pulls a tire off the wall. I guess so I guess they're in a garage.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: To the yeah. Grad, barred garage doors. Duh. Okay. He pulls a tire off the wall and throws it at the villains and he says, time to retire, eh, boys?
1: <laughs> I know. Can't bring him anywhere, right? <laughs> exactly. I love the menacing vibe of – I mean it's a small little panel, but you can still feel it for some reason. Of when they tie up uh, Nick and he's like, where are you going to take me? To Kentucky. I don't know. I just He just looks cool just standing there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the shadows that help. Yeah.
2: Imagine that panel without the shadows. It would be very – Blah. hmm No mood at all.
1: This is a good balance. This story, despite it being not great, one of the things I like about it, it's a good balance of, you know, Batman not being super evil dark, but not being overly hokey. Right. Too, You know, I mean, it's just the right amount. It's very Batman the Animated Series amount of of darkness and fun. Mm-hmm.
2: Kind of like more like those earliest stories
1: mm-hmm. that Finger wrote. Yeah, only minus killing people.
2: Well, yes. Yes. And plus Robin
1: and plus uh, Robin, yeah,
2: page ten we have the return of the bat plane, yep, and I, note that the style has changed because yep. the uh cockpit is now completely enclosed,
1: and he's got a head, it's got a bat head again, it lost it for a while,
2: that's right, it lost it last uh last time we saw it, that's
1: right, yeah, they just gave it a boring propeller now it's back to being propellerless, but it has like a nice probably better than it used to have, yeah, mm-hmm. like, uh, a nice bat head shape and it's got uh, still has scalloped wings and it's got it's hard to say because if you look at the third panel versus the first panel it doesn't look like the same plane yeah it does like the third panel it seems like the head disappears or oh, the
2: third plane oh the third panel yeah, yeah the head like, disappears in that panel
1: and then they just put a Batman symbol on the side mm-hmm. so but that first panel looks really That's really cool really cool yeah and speaking of cool more ninja batman which is nice to see yeah i love how he just takes this one guy out by choking him and then (laughs) knocks on the door i guess and
2: (laughs) the guy opens the door and he's just just a fist to the face you know that was that was another laugh out loud moment but for
1: completely different reasons for good reasons that time. yeah that was awesome
2: but speaking of of cool and not cool what do you think about this second panel here on page 11
1: I wrote that it was freaky. I think I like it. I'm not sure if they did it on purpose, but he looks scary.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool, but it's kind of weird at the same time.
1: It reminded me of, you know, obviously, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but, you know, the River Styx. Yeah. And the, the evil dude, I can't remember his name, who rose him down for a penny or whatever it is.
2: I can't think of his name
1: either, but yeah. And, you know, Batman works for that, I guess, because he's just kind of tied to the evil in a way. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder if it's just a an inky – I don't Yeah, it's really dark. Let me, let see. me, yeah. let me look
2: at the original. Does That's what I was like just
1: going to say. Maybe – no, it looks like that in the original too. Mm-hmm.
2: Used a lot of black ink on that one.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but you know we we see some nice shots of the inside of this of the, the the secret cavern here and we see all these bats flying around and and my modern brain keeps thinking bat cave bat cave but obviously not because the bat cave is still a long way off yeah so
1: yeah actually and i also forgot to say before when they were comparing this cave to that other cave which this the name escapes me now carl's bad cavern oh right mhm i had looked that up on wikipedia and I don't know why I keep looking on Wikipedia because apparently they're not right about Gotham City. But anyway, it's apparently sports over over seventeen species of bats. So wow, it's kind of interesting that I don't know if that's where they got the idea to throw bats in this cave too, or if they were going to anyway because it's Batman, so it's kind of obvious. But
2: this one here in on panel four, that's a really happy looking bat.
1: <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Uh,
2: but. This this also has another problem with it because we see the the crooks drilling into the the vault at Fort Stocks.
0: Yep. right? Mm-hmm.
2: Even if there was a giant underground cave below Fort Stocks, you couldn't just dig your way through the top of it to get into the vault.
1: <laughs> no. I mean,
2: you'd have to dig through you know rock and dirt and concrete and a foundation and who knows what else. Oh
1: and that yeah. That would make
2: a whole lot of noise.
1: It would be a huge project. You'd have to plan. <laughs> Right. You can't just like, oh, we know the location. Let's go over there with the shovel. Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, in the fourth panel there, it looks like he's got a crowbar or a, a drill.
1: It's, no, right. it doesn't work that way. I would also assume that before they built this vault that they scouted the area and probably reinforced the bottom. Yeah. I could be wrong about how they build vaults, but it's probably like you know inches of steel or feet of steel.
2: Yeah, you would think so.
1: On the floor there. So that's funny. Um, but speaking of funny, I love this line where like, all the bats are kind of flapping around these dudes on the ladder. And he's like, those bats give me the creep. They remind me too much of the Batman like he was here. You nuts. I suppose you expect the Batman to step out of the shadows and say, and then <laughs> Batman evening, comes up. Good evening, gentlemen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a very cool entrance.
1: Very, very fun.
2: Again, like you said earlier, very much uh, Batman the Animated Series.
1: Uh-huh. And then he starts getting a little punny. In this last fight, but yeah, you certainly have your ups and downs, don't you? Uh, <laughs> as he knocks him off the ladder, or boy, they even had to do captions to support that clip. <laughs> the men, <laughs> he knocks the guys over, and then it says the men rise shakily to their feet, only to go down again. You certainly do have your ups and downs. Uh,
2: and meanwhile, Robin is taking two guys out at one time including throwing one guy around by the head.
1: Which is totally awesome. And just like the move Batman uses all the time, so he's obviously right. training. Right. Um. <laughs> he
2: calls the guy a horse face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. But then page 13, so, so the guards heard two gunshots, or, or heard a gunshot, but they didn't hear these guys digging through two feet of cement? Again, yeah. No.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense either.
2: And how did the how did the guys get those huge cement blocks? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they just cut the cement blocks out and stacked them over there to the side. It's it's completely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, they're all wearing suits. <laughs> <Right. It's funny.
2: laughs> Clean suits with no dust or anything on them.
1: It'd be funny if Batman showed up and they're all just really tired.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we give up. We're too we tired now. We're too tired.
1: But again, Henry Lewis, pretty awesome. Yeah comes in at the end and gives a little payback for getting beat on
0: mm-hmm.
1: I thought that was cool and then we have a nice quick wrap up for Finger I thought oh yeah
2: none of these three pages where he spends you know trying to figure out how to end the story it's just uh-huh. you know.
1: it's like happy ending and I think Linda Lewis is crying because she's so <laughs> proud of them being heroes or something I
2: don't they're know. good they're, they're great Americans
1: so much for her being a tough broad with a gun in her or whatever. Anyway, uh,
2: but you know this second to last panel is the first and only time we see the symbol on Batman's chest in the entire story.
1: That I read that in your notes and could not believe it. But you're absolutely right. It's like not in there at all. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Either,
2: it's either missing or he's you know got his cape around his chest or it's it's obscured somehow. But it's I, I just don't know what's going on with the art in these last few stories because like, they've been getting really bad about leaving the symbol off.
1: They're just probably rushed could be. Get all these stories out. They need to hire more people, I guess. Yeah. Um so this is the we've had him talk about war in the past a little bit, but this this bit where he's me, being American is reward enough. Uh-huh. That got me thinking like you know, we already talked about how war the war started last year. Right. And now we're at the end of this year, so it must really be on people's minds. I mean, it's got to be. I know America, I'm sure it is. I know America still holds back for a while, but but you know they're reading about it, so mm-hmm. patriotism is going to start flaring here, I think.
2: Yeah, and when we get to the uh, – that's that's apparent too. When we get to the other comics that came out around this time, mm-hmm. that's apparent there too, which we'll yeah. talk about here in just a few minutes. But but overall, I thought this was a pretty dull story. It kind of feels like Finger phoned it in. yeah. I mean it wasn't bad, but it was far from good because it just depended on a whole lot of conveniences and things that just couldn't possibly happen. And I I can excuse some of them given when the story was written, but I I would still call it a forgettable story other than the fact that we got Gotham City and the Batmobile out of it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think – I mean story-wise it was pretty dumb, but I just – it was a page-turner for me just because of Gotham City, Batmobile – Batplane looked cool and batman was doing sneaky ninja bat stuff <laughs> and not being punny so it right. was just like
2: yeah i'll give it that
1: too i was excited about it i mean yeah it doesn't make any sense at all but um it was still really fun so if you'd like to see if you like it or not you can do that by either buying the original yeah right or reading it in batman archives volume one from 1990 or batman chronicles volume three from 2007 uh i still can't believe we're doing batman archives volume one how thick are these books anyway
2: i think we're getting to the end of that volume we've got to be i don't have any of the arc batman any of the the batman archives so i don't know but i we've got to be getting to the end of it because we've gone through two complete chronicles at this point
1: but batman archives doesn't necessarily cover the same thing Chronicles is anyway, does it?
2: Right, because there is Batman Chronicles and then there's the Dark Knight uh, excuse me, Batman Archives and then the Dark Knight Archives. And
1: then the world's of finest is, archives and
2: Right, yeah and one of them is Batman stories, the yeah, other is Detective Comics stories, so,
1: so that's why
3: enjoy time travel in general and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan, and I will be your host. Together, we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week, we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon... And your emails are always welcome at Podcast at com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape.
1: And then after that, we have the other stories that no one reads. Uh we got six pages of Spy, called Alien Smugglers, by Jerry Siegel and Ed Moore. We have The Case of the Fugitive Killer, starring Larry Steele, Private Detective. Six pages by Steve Bode and Ken Ernst.
2: Ooh, new writer for that one?
1: Yeah. Cool. Guess so. We have six pages of Cliff Crosby, and a story called Tight Fist Baker, by Chad Grothkoff, although he's simply signed as Chad on this one. Mm. Um... Because no one could pronounce his last name. Speed Saunders, six pages. Featherton Appleby, uh, by Edwiniarski as Fran Miller again. Uh, the oh man, I don't know how to pronounce that. The Athualpa's treasure. Athualpa's treasure. Um, by By Don Lynch. It. By Don Lynch. It was six pages, starring that that really exciting dude, Steve Malone, District Attorney. Cool. What the heck is he looking at an Athuapas treasure for if he's a lawyer? Anyway, I guess it's <laughs> He's
2: going to use it to clear his client's name.
1: <laughs> yeah, he has to go explore for a treasure. <laughs> this will cost you overtime. Uh, We've got a two-page two text piece called G-Man's, Reve- G-Man's Revenge by Tim Standish with art by Fred Ray. Ooh,
2: with some very uh, racist stereotyped art by Fred Ray.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Crimson Avenger gets knocked down to five pages this oh. month or this issue, I should say, uh, in a tale called A Man Named Twist by Jack Letty and Charles Paris. So I guess that means Cliff got his page back, so they're just going to shuffle around. Mm. Interesting.
2: Maybe that's why Batman was 12 pages here a couple issues ago.
1: Well, but then so as Cliff was only five, so oh. it's like they shorted them both mm. for some reason. Um, And then lastly, we have good old Sam Bradley, who still has eight pages, called... The Narwhack Mines by Jerry Siegel and Howard Sherman with No Cool Opener. He's very serious now, I think.
2: And there's Uh, something in this story with Shorty and a giraffe. He's like riding a giraffe. That's weird.
1: Weird. weird. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, But that's it for Detective number 48.
2: Cool. Well, other books, we had Adventure Comics in in addition to two issues of Detective Comics – ...in December 1940. We had Adventure Comics number 58... ...with the very first Paul Kirk Manhunter strip by Ed Moore. Kirk is a non-costumed, non-superpowered investigator... ...and it's a pretty unnotable series until it's taken over... ...and completely revamped in 1942 by two guys named Joe Simon and Jack Kirby.
3: I've heard
1: of them.
2: And we had Flash Comics number 14... ...All American Comics number 23... ...More Fun Comics number 64... And the final book from DC was Action Comics number 33, and in that issue, adventurer Tex Thompson dons a costume, dyes his hair, and becomes Mr. America, and the strip Uh, is renamed accordingly. Um, Outside of –
1: what's that? Mr. America, okay. (laughs) Uh,
2: Outside of DC, uh, Fawcett came out with Special Edition Comics number one, which was an all-Captain Marvel book with four brand-new stories. And from what I've seen, this is often thought of as a, a trial run for a Captain Marvel solo book, which actually does happen in 1941. Uh, but speaking of captains, Marvel had three books, including Captain America Comics number 1,
1: Woohoo. the
2: first appearance of Captain America. But I don't think anything ever happens to him after this issue.
1: No, Mr. America goes on, though.
2: <laughs> uh, see, normally this is where I would give like a two-sentence – synopsis of who captain america is but i figure since we have our resident captain america expert here i'll just let you do it
1: uh, <laughs> uh why don't you guys just go look up an old show called the mighty shield and uh <laughs> listen to the first episode I there you it. go
2: well thanks everybody for listening next episode since we have wrapped up all of batman's appearances from 1940 we will have our year in review so no homework for you guys Uh, But since you'll have extra time, you might as well be productive with it. So why not send an email to podcast at batmanlegends.com with any questions or comments or feedback that you have. Uh, You can also stop by the website at batmanlegends.com if if you'd rather use the contact form to let us know your thoughts. And at the site, you'll also find show notes as well as back episodes, a link to the show's Facebook and Twitter feeds… The RSS feed and the iTunes link if you want to subscribe to the show. And if you use iTunes, we'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to leave an iTunes review and let people know why you like the show. And after all that, if you haven't even more time, Mike and I have other podcasts that we'll help you will check out. Mike is co-host of The New 52 Adventures of Superman along with John Wilson and J. David Weider where they are reviewing the current Superman books. You can find that at new 52 supermanlipsoncom and if my calculations are right, I think there should be a new episode out sometime between the time you hear this and the next episode of our show, so check it out. I also have two other shows. First is The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, where I'm doing what Mike and I do here, but with Superman, obviously, and you can find that weekly along with other comic book-related postings from time to time at greatkrypton.com. And lastly, I co-host Green Lanterns Light with J. David Weider and Jeffrey Taylor. We just had a new episode this past Sunday, and it's actually a great jumping-on point because it's the start of a brand-new creative team. So head on over to GreenLanternsLight.com to find it and all previous episodes. Once more, we want to thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See you next week. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Copyright DC Comics.
0: I it. Oh, yeah. How sleeping awake because of fear. Oh, yeah. How children are drowning in their tears. How we need a place where we can go. A land where everyone will have a hero. A city of justice. Yeah, a city of love A city of peace For every one of us Cause we all need it hey, Can't live without it A Gotham City yeah, yeah. A city of justice yeah, A city of love Ooh. A city of peace Every one of us Cause we all need a Can't live without it Gotham City Dead in the middle of stormy weather We won't stumble And we won't fall Find no place that offers shelter See justice Oh yeah Justice